0: All right, okay, great. All right. So, 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 should we get should we get started on the actual recording? Yeah, do that. Feel like we're, we're taking the meat out of this sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. I'm Gav, and I'm Dave well done dave i was a bit scared then that you were going to miss your cue and it would just make it look like i'm the only person
1: here <laughs> you nearly could have been man. i mean, this do you feel like do you feel like we've said something did we say something that's just gotten taken the wrong way and Yeah, it's just yeah. left with
0: you and I now? <laughs> I mean, the, the excuses seem very flimsy, uh, to be honest. But uh, yeah, mm. to, to all the listeners out there, you're not wrong. It is just me and Dave today. Uh, please stick with us. It will still be a good episode, honestly. But we're putting the 2021 action uh, horror, action horror, yeah. Army of the Dead on trial. Is it Viva Las Vegas or is it gambling debts and broken kneecaps? <laughs> Essentially, we're going to. which one of those <laughs> <it is. laughs> Yeah, I was like, uh, I was like, oh, what what bad songs have they been written about Fever uh, about Las Vegas? But they all seem to be very pro gambling, um, (laughs) very very pro like losing your house and all your wealth. It's (laughs) almost
1: like the casinos are powerful, Gavin. I don't know know why you're surprised.
0: (laughs) So essentially, anyway, we're going to try and find out if this film will be placed on our esteemed hit list or our steaming shit list. Now, before we go on, our last film on trial was Mortal Kombat 2021, not the 1995 version, as Ozzy, who was the judge, thought it was up until the 40-minute mark of the episode.
1: (laughs) I've said it before, I'll say it again. That's why he's the wild card, man. You never know what you're going to get. I know, I know.
0: Uh, Now, Ozzy judged that trial, and he deemed that it should be placed on the hit list. He's probably not watched it. He's not here to discuss it. (laughs) And we don't know if he thinks he made the right call or not. <laughs> so do we think that he made the right call? Dave, what, what, what do you think?
1: I, I don't know, really, to be honest with you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say no. I didn't think it was particularly well made. And I just don't see They really did try and make Mortal Kombat into a franchise with this one. You know, we've not seen the end of this. Yeah. And I don't think it's that easy to franchise. You know, just the, the very nature of the game makes it very difficult to to get connected to characters that have to die in this tournament. You know, it's. Uh, yep. I think it's unfranchisable. I think you can make one great Mortal Kombat movie and then leave it for a few decades and then reboot. I think that's the only way to get through it, though. Well, uh, to be honest, I mean, I played
0: the first four games and then I didn't play it again. Until after the trial. So I just started playing Mortal Kombat 10, like as soon as we did the trial. So I was like, oh, yeah, I want to, you know, I'm in the mood for it after discussing horrendous brutalities and, you know, fatalities and whatever. I fancy, like, you know, sawing somebody's head in half or whatever. And, you know what, there are stories there. And I do think that if they do it well and if they stick close to the actual games, there is something that they can use. I think it was in Mortal Kombat 9, there was a story where, you know it was essentially like the empire strikes back and the heroes mm. were defeated and hell it rules on earth and a lot of the heroes are killed and replaced by zombie equivalents of themselves and then mortal kombat 10 is about trying to turn that back and it introduces like time travel and different elements a bit like end game and um, so you know th- there is like a really good story behind there there is more than just a tournament and i think that it does have legs, but I just think that maybe they should have started with the tournaments and then gone into the story rather than the other way around, because they started yeah. off with a bit of a muddled story, and then they're going to try and you know do the tournaments in the next film. I just, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it works. I think it was fun, yeah. just about. I think it worked just about.
1: It was all right. It's not the yeah. worst film we've done recently.
0: No. But I, I'd, I'd, you know what? I would love to go back and watch Mortal Kombat 1995 <laughs> just to see if it was as good as I remember Because I remember it being brilliant. As I said before, you know, I was recreating that film in my friend's uh, back garden uh, until he got beaten up by his brother and we had to leave. But yeah, it was it was great. Anyway, <laughs> um, now onto the trial. Now all of the roles have been picked out of the hat at random. I say all of the roles, both of the roles have been picked out of the hat at random. So acting in defence and trying to get this film placed on the hit list will be me. I'm a bit like Zack Snyder's film, Justice League. Very long and bloated. And (laughs) (laughs) some would argue completely pointless. (laughs) And acting as prosecution to try to get this film placed on the shit list will be Dave. And Dave is just like Zack Snyder's film, Dawn of the Dead. Short, sharp and sweet. But it's all downhill from there. (laughs) Now, just like real court, you're not even that short, I'm sorry, mate, but you're shorter than me, but then again, yeah, most people bang, are.
1: Bang on average for a, a Caucasian male <laughs> in the UK of my age.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, mate. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, you've seen me in a suit, a look like Slenderman. <laughs> <laughs> just like real court advocates, the defense and prosecution will be making the best case for their roles. These may or may not be their real opinions, though, so do stay tuned until the end of the episode to hear our genuine thoughts. Now, usually we would have a judge to decide which list the film should be placed on, hit or shit, based solely on the arguments put to them and not using their own opinions. But as there's only two of us here, we're going to try and reach a general consensus at the end of it. You know, it, yeah. if <laughs> if Meryl Streep can come to a decision at the end of Sophie's Choice, then we can decide which list Army of the Dead should be on.
1: <laughs> I don't know, man. I've known you for 15 years. I, I don't see it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we're still arguing about where Tree of Life should have been placed on. <laughs> <laughs> and Now, before we get started, I think we should give the listeners a bit of a better understanding as to what this film is about. So let me spin the Wheel of Impressions. Right, <laughs> it's, it's landed on the question mark again. So that means judge's choice. So there isn't a judge. Uh, so <laughs> it's, it's, well. it's 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 yeah, no, it's either one of us. Uh, so should, we could both try and have
1: a pop at it. Yeah, can it can have a go? What what would you have in mind, Gav? Dave Batista. <laughs> Bati- okay, yeah, you can or, do this one, Gav. <laughs> or I'll do it in the
0: style of Dave Batista, and you do it in the style of um, the German actor whose name escapes me. I can't remember. The, the guy plays Dieter. Right. right. Okay. So it's so. just going to be a generic German from me. Then. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> which right. which
1: I'm not even that good at. So this is.
0: <laughs> right. Okay. I'll tell you what. I'll do the first half of it as Batista. You do the yeah. second half as Dieter. Okay. 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 Right. Here we go. Following a zombie outbreak in Las Vegas, a group of mercenaries take the ultimate gamble
1: venturing into the quarantine zone to pull off the greatest heist ever attempted. <laughs> it didn't even That's, sound like him. It wasn't even German. I, don't I know, know it sounded
0: like a, like a camp Arnold Schwarzenegger.
1: <laughs> That's what I was going for. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, so without further hesitation, let's kick off proceedings. So I think if it's all right with you, Dave, as the defense, I'd like to start with a bit of an overview, just to give a bit of an explanation as to what this film's about. Probably should okay before we start ripping into it <laughs> let's get some context in there okay so the movie starts with an army transporting a secret cargo which crashes and turns out to be a zombie who we later find out is called zeus who goes on a complete biting rampage in las vegas and mm-hmm. uh, the city becomes overrun and then it's completely cordoned off to contain the zombies within so that's essentially the beginning of the story and that is like the first 10 minutes. And then following this, a dodgy casino owner, Bly Tanaka, played by Hiroyuki Sanada, hires mercenary Scott Ward, played by Dave Batista, to recover $200 million from his zombie infested venue. So then we get the usual sort of action movie tropes of recruiting a ragtag crew, including Amari Hardwick's Vanderhoe and Then, obviously, there's a bit of an emotional attachment there, as his daughter, played by Ella Pernell, who was working as a relief worker on the outskirts of the Vegas border, is accompanying them um, so she can rescue her friend who hasn't returned from a trip to the contained area. Now, they're guided by Lily, or the Coyote, as she's called, and are also accompanied by the dodgy casino owner's head of security, Martin, played by Garrett Delahunt. We're introduced to two types of zombies, shamblers, who are the more traditional slow-walking undead that you'd see in, I don't know, The Walking Dead. And also more faster and smarter zombies, similar to Snyder's Dawn of the Dead, who have been bitten by the alpha zombie Zeus. And there's even a zombie tiger in there for good measure. So, you know, this film is just fun. It's over the top. It's ludicrous. I've just mentioned the zombie tiger, so you know that, but it knows it. this film knows that it's fun. It knows that it's ludicrous. It never tries to take itself too seriously or be something that it isn't. It's simply Zack Snyder untethered from the usual restrictions put in place by studios, being free to tell a fun story in his own way. You're
1: you sticking with that story, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no one here to convince, but you and I. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I I disagree with some of those points. I don't think it's all that fun. I think it's a bit of a botched job, to be honest with you. I think he set off with the right idea. You know, he tried to do something fun and keep it light. You know, we need, we need zombie films like this. They're, they're good fun. You know, it's enjoyable to watch, but... it it gets a little complicated, don't you think? He gets a little bogged down in the detail and gets a little sidetracked by certain things. We were talking about the uh, press uh, releases he's done and the the fan conventions and the Q&As that he's done since. And it's just basically anything that anyone wants to throw in there. You can, you can do so. It's just like, just, just ask him, was that, were, were some of the zombies robots? Yes. Some of the zombies were robots. Is there a time loop thing going on? There might very well be a time loop thing going on. It's just, come on. I mean, it, either stick to your guns and make these points and make an absolutely batshit crazy film. Or, you know, at least have an idea and stick true to your dream of what it's meant to be. Don't just throw stuff in. Cause someone suggested it post, post hindsight, which is what I believe he's doing. I think he's just having a laugh. I think he's generally just throwing things in left, right, and center for no good reason
0: ah come on i disagree a little bit i think what he's done is he's layered it with easter eggs and i don't think it's bad that he's actually left lots of questions and set up for future films you know sometimes we always say on this oh it's just sequel bait; it's just setting it up for another film within this it's not like sort of direct well there is one big direct sequel bait right at the very end but there's lots of these little tidbits of information like throughout and and you know it's gets us all talking about it, gets us all hypothesizing. You know, you go into Scream Rants or, you know, Empire, and there's loads of different articles, loads of comments, people talking about what happens in this film. And it's good because it's got people engaged in talking. You mentioned a couple of them before, but there's the whole mess of zombies that are melted together in the sun. At the beginning, we're told that they come to life when it rains, but we're not showing that. Perhaps we're going to be showing that in a future film. You know, we're showing blueprints and bodies from previous failed heist attempts we're teased that it could be a time loop. Is there? We don't know. Did Dieter survive because we don't actually see him die? Once again, it's a possibility. And we're shown that some of the alpha zombies are actually robots, as you mentioned before. Why are they there? Who put them there? Was it the government to monitor the zombies? I think it's it's Zack Snyder just having a good time. You know, he's having fun. He's got this great vision of what this zombie movie is going to be, but he's also kind of just doing what he wants he's he's putting a few questions in there he's dropping a few hints that people will talk about for years to come until he creates another film it might very well be that army of the dead 2 comes out and we're all bitterly disappointed but until then we're all eagerly anticipating it and engaged
1: I, I think we can all but guarantee disappointment from Army of the Dead too. I think he's exhausted whatever, whatever wild t-shirt cannon it was he was firing ideas out of, he's <laughs> been depleted and exhausted. I mean, robot zombies, really? And it's not even obvious that they are robot zombies. You know, people just picked up on like this flash of light when the zombies get shot in the head, you know, and they just presume, oh. Is it because they're robots? And, you know, you could have passed that off as something else. You could have said, oh, no, that's the the virus, you know, it ignites or something when, when a bullet passes through. But he's not done. He's gone down the robot route. No, there the... is
0: there is one the scene. <laughs> no, there is one scene where you see a bit of exposed cheekbone, and there is like a metallic structure underneath. So, so there is something there that he's put in. I mean, I don't know why, but it is interesting. You know, it no is bonkers. No, he
1: doesn't know why either. <laughs> he's just he's literally just like done the equivalent of like throwing spaghetti against the kitchen wall and seeing what sticks <laughs> there. And it's like robot zombie. Okay, <laughs> like, oh. cooking with gas now. He <laughs> said someone but, needed to rein him in and say, you know, what about coherency? What about actually, you know, if you're going to put an Easter egg in there, you got to let it hatch. You know, otherwise, you know, what, what, do, you, what do you got?
0: So, well, he does that as well, though, with the cliffhanger ending. Often we look at cliffhanger endings and we say, oh, it's just setting itself up for another sequel or another film coming down the line. But I think that, you know, it's fine to enter the cliffhanger every now and again. Look at the Italian job. That was a terrific cliffhanger ending. And with this, you Literal. want... Yeah, literally, cliff literally anger. that's like, the cliffhanger. <laughs> uh, but once Vegas has been completely nuked and all the Scots team have seemingly been killed off, Van der Rohe emerges from the wreckage with millions of dollars in cash. He walks to an airfield, buys a private jet to take him to Mexico before we find out that he's been bitten by a zombie. So yeah. once again, we've got all these questions, like who bit him? Was it Zeus? Will he become an alpha zombie? Or because... It's taken him so long to turn when he becomes something else. Will yeah, he also, kill himself. How, Go on, sorry. How how did he survive a nuclear blast? He was in a safe, Dave. Come on. How did he get Jones, out of the vault? If Indiana Jones can survive it within a fridge, that he can do it within a within a stainless steel titanium safe underground.
1: Because how did he get out of the vault?
0: yeah i know there's lots of questions how does he get out there are
1: lots of questions because why doesn't he have radiation poisoning yeah exactly because what's going to kill him faster radiation poisoning or that zombie bite you know take your bets now well Dita pushes him into the vault right and then shuts the door basically like you know instead of having a quick painless death and the chance to become an alpha zombie it's like no no you die slowly <laughs> <laughs> over over the course of many days i'll just lock you in the vault it's like come on that is not that's not a noble act really Did he lock them in the vault or did he just shut the door? He shut the door, but we're talking alpha zombies here. I'm sure they know how to work a door handle. Maybe. Maybe (laughs) maybe not,
0: though. Maybe that's their downfall. Maybe that's why so many of them are still stuck in the hotels because they can't figure out. (laughs) Yeah, those revolving doors, especially, are a nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) They
1: just keep on coming back in. (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) That's where we got the time loop idea from. This is it. It's just a revolving door.
0: (laughs) No, but I I, I like that, though. I like that we've got this question because, once again, there's that whole time loop theory. It could be a joke. It could not be a joke. As as Tita goes to crack the safe, there's a load of dead bodies strewn across the floor that all resemble the crew. You know, they're wearing the same clothes, they've got the same jewelry, they've got the same guns. Van der Rohe makes a joke that, oh, it's us, you know, this is a time loop and we just keep on trying this and keep it on dying. Maybe that's true. At the end of the day, there is a nuclear explosion. So maybe that's got something to do. Maybe that sets off a chain reaction and the characters are stuck in a time loop. Maybe Van der Rohe emerging at the end is actually not from that time loop but from a different one you know
1: we, we don't know it, yeah. th- there's lots of that's questions. the problem that's the problem we don't have a clue what's going on we don't there's these like little easter eggs that have been not even easter eggs he's just some real rotten eggs and painted them to look like easter and he's just smashing them about the set. and this is and this is what people have to look forward to it's like this it's not clever if you don't explain it you can't have a twist that is just like the the beginnings of a twist, the opening sentence of a twist, and then you never resolve it. We don't have a clue what's going on here. And that's why I'm not convinced he does, because he's not given a satisfactory explanation to anything. All these interesting nuggets that people might be talking about for a while, they can carry on talking and purely speculating because there is no substance to them. We haven't got a clue what's going on. We could honestly sit here and say that Dave Batista is is another dimension's Hulk Hogan. (laughs) <laughs> and, and he's going to get his own TV show after this. We could say it was all a game show. And you know what? If we put this to the director, you just sit there and go, yes, it was all a game show.
0: I, like, I, I just don't think that everything needs to be tied up in a neat little package.
1: I it's think like, that you can't... Is Hiroyuki Sonata God? Yes. Hiroyuki <laughs> Sonata
0: is God. Is he, is he Scorpion from uh, Mortal Kombat before... <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes yes he is yes yes he is you've got it you've got it absolutely right <laughs> when we said he went to hell uh, what we meant is he went to vegas <laughs> 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 which is pretty much the same <laughs>
1: yeah if you're hanging out with wayne newton sure <laughs>
0: <laughs> now the bulk of the story of this film is a tasty meal that you would buy at a restaurant and these little kind of these little twists that you're saying are actually like easter eggs then these little mints that you get at the ends just like sort no, of no oh. they're
1: the bits of plastic. <laughs> the bits of plastic <laughs> you find in the meal that put you off now no, like, no, where did this come from what's this doing here this now it's it's it's, it's there it's,
0: no, it's your handkerchief that's made into look to look like a swan it's the little you know mints that you get at the ends it's the little additional like tidbits the, the things that make it even better that's that's I what i stand buy my me. plastic
1: and the more <laughs> you try to persuade me it's not the more i'm going to say no you know what it's human teeth that you found in your meal. That's what it is. Very off-putting, very distracting and kind of takes away from the whole experience.
0: Dave, like, let's just all admit it, you know, every meal that we eat probably has a little bit of of human DNA in it, so. (laughs) And they're just going all in. They're going all in with the teeth, you know, why not?
1: (laughs) All right, but don't expect people to enjoy it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You'll eat your lasagna with teeth and you'll like it. (laughs) Okay, so uh, like with regards to the story, then uh, one thing that I liked Mm. about this, and you you can tell me uh, whether you agree or probably massively disagree, (laughs) 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 but like it doesn't focus on the zombie outbreak or the apocalypse. So a lot of these films, a lot of the zombie films, it's always like oh the the first the catalyst and then the ensuing outbreak, and it's all about you know like how can we contain it before it becomes a full on apocalypse, and most of the time you can't. But with this. They cover all of that off within the first, what, 10 minutes? I mean, all of the sort of zombie outbreak, the the sort of the apocalypse in quotation marks, that's covered within the opening credits. And it's very well contained within the city of Las Vegas and then essentially that's it for that part of the film
1: it's you actually know, a success story on containment isn't it
0: exactly it is it is just imagine if Matt Hancock would have watched this film first before he watched <laughs> Contagion <laughs> not only would he have ordered extra doses of AstraZeneca but he would have effectively reduced the amount of COVID cases by cordoning us all cordoning, I can't even say it, cordoning <laughs> us all off
1: yeah woulda coulda shoulda I <laughs>
0: what i like about this as well is that it's not even much of a zombie film it's quite original in that it's actually more of a heist film with Mm -hmm. with zombies in it you know it's more similar to oceans 11 than it is to dawn of the dead and it also is very good at getting to the bulk of the film with surprising efficiency (laughs) because i saw the length of this film it's like two and a half hours long and i was like oh jesus it's gonna be a bit of a slog but from getting us from a to b that's done within about 20 minutes. You know, it's like kind of, oh, we're here now. And then the, the bulk of it is actually within Las Vegas. I thought there was going to be a lot of setting up time for how they get mm-hmm. there and how they do the heist. I thought there was going to be a lot of planning and preparation. But no, it's just, hang on, let's assemble a team. Now we're there. And I thought that was really good. And, um, you know, there's still enough aspects of horror and of zombie films to keep fans engaged throughout as well. Lots of flesh tearing and biting group getting picked off one by one, a scumbag with an ulterior motive. I just think it's it's good. It's it's a nice blend of different styles and it's fun and it doesn't take itself too seriously.
1: Yeah, I, but it's nothing we haven't seen before though, is it? I mean you've just basically labelled a zombie film tropes, you know, particularly, and this 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 annoyed me the scumbag with the ulterior motive. We're talking about Garrett Dillahunt with this one who plays the uh, the head of security. And it's yep. like, yo, just for once, and I said this to Kat as we were watching it, I said, you know, just for once, I'd like to see the guy they don't trust, you know, the guy who's sent to watch them, watch over them by the, the boss, by the guy who's hired them. I'd just like him to turn out to be a stand-up guy once. <laughs> just once <laughs> in one film, you know. But no, ulterior motive, not only that, he's homicidal. He's not just like, I'll get my objective done but God speed to you. All it's like, no, no, no. You get in my way or you even look at me funny. I'm gonna I'm gonna set you up before. I'm gonna set you up and get eaten by zombies. And it's like, who is that much of a shit bag? And don't say Garrett Dillahunt because oh, I have a good Dillon's... authority.
0: He's a nice guy. He's a nice guy. <laughs> he is. He is a nice guy. To be fair, but uh, I like like I know personally, <laughs> by, all, by all accounts, yeah. by all accounts, if, if raising
1: he... hope has taught me anything, it's that Garrett Dillahunt's a nice guy.
0: <laughs> yeah, if Fear the Walking Dead and the Mindy Project have taught me anything, it's that he's actually you no, know, he's a bit of a shit in the first few seasons of the Mindy Project. <laughs> so uh, ignore that. But yeah, no, I, I think that like if you had that though, then fans would be disappointed if you had somebody that was sent in there to watch them that didn't end up being a bit of a shitbag. You'd be like, oh, well, where was the conflict? You know, you need a bit yeah. of conflict. And I think you know, it, well, his ulterior motive is that really what they're going in there for is to get DNA from one of the alpha zombies mm-hmm. so they can you know create their own zombies. Sell it so to the can, government to exactly, a bio weaponize yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And you need that. And you know, yeah, he was a bit harmless. Homic- In that he could have just taken a little bit of blood from the queen zombie, but he decides to chop her head off
1: and put it in a bowl and bag. Not (laughs) only that, not only that, I'm talking about is it it Chambers? Yes, yeah. Who goes with him? The woman that goes with him, and he kind of like, they're they're going through this maze of like sleeping zombies that are just like, almost like comatose, stood upright, but they're just kind of, they're they're harmless as long as you don't disturb them. So they're going through there and they're dropping these glow sticks so they know which path through the zombies to take. And he going ahead of chambers she's just had a word with him kind of like i don't like you and he's like oh you're dead so he picks up the glow sticks behind him throws him down the wrong way sends her off into the into this horde of zombies ultimately of course she's going to bump into them it's not a clear path they start waking up she fights she goes that she goes down fighting uh but there goes one person who didn't like him out of the way and there was no need for that you know he, he surely wants his mission to succeed but and, and, but he's just killed uh, a key member of the team and it's like there's, why why well, because I mean, we'll, we'll cover this in characters, I'm sure, but
0: yeah, no, but the, because she says, I'm on to you, I know that you're here for an, another reason, and you're going to stab us in the back at uh, the first given opportunity, and I'm going to be watching you. And He's like, Well, yeah, I am planning to stab you in the back, and I don't want you
1: watching me, so I'm going to kill you. And that, you know, that's thing it. Is, he didn't need to stab them in the back, <laughs> it's like, he could have completed his mission, just said, Guys, not going to lie, I've got another job to do while I'm here. Back in 10. <laughs> and, and just well, left the d- now, didn't need to kill anyone just be honest from the outset
0: well to be honest he was always gonna incur the wrath of the alpha zombies wasn't he because he was mm-hmm. going to essentially kill the queen
1: but that's so. well you come back after you're 10 minutes away and like guys done some bad shit <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, so he will don't be stabbing mad. them in the back don't be mad but... <laughs> <laughs> don't be mad but I
0: did have another reason for being here I those have those guys that we the made the a queen. truce
1: with gave them a <laughs> yeah. sacrifice I've just reneged on that big time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They are coming down here and they are mad. (laughs) no but you know you need that as well you know like we already kind of were a bit suspicious of this guy we think he's a bit of a shit bag but then mm. he seals the deal we need somebody to dislike we need somebody to hate in this type of film and he is that character and we, we needed a reason to hate him more than like he's going to screw them over eventually and that was it he gets one of the team killed so we know right away he's a shit bag and we've got a reason to keep on watching you know because a little want on to the watch nose him.
1: though it's a little on the nose. it didn't go for subtlety did it let's be honest you know killing a member of the- the team in cold blood like that little on the nose i think we had a perfectly decent character a more well-rounded character to hate in in bert you know the uh the deputy yeah that they he's the sacrifice that they give up And let's face it you hate him from the moment you meet him played by uh theo rossi uh, yep. who's from sons of anarchy very good actor and that character as much as he is vile a truly vile human being he's He's more complex. There's more going on there. He's he's different. We don't always see the like of that in zombie films. They could have done more with him. You know, he could have escaped from after after being made a sacrifice of and he could have like tried to take revenge on the team while being hunted by the I mean I'm going down a different track. You know, I'm creating a different film here, but I'm saying there wasn't if you wanted a human antagonist, yeah, you had a better one available to you there than taking the lazy way out and making it go at Dillahun.
0: Well, you know, I, I agree that they should have done more with uh, Theo Rossi's character. And I was anticipating that. And I was a little bit disappointed when it just turned out to be, oh, yeah, he's been sacrificed. And he's now an he's alpha dead.
1: now, briefly yeah. an alpha, and he's dead again. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. And then later on, when he's killed again, very quickly, it's like, oh, what was the point? Uh, but- and
1: also, what was the point in, okay, so um, Dave Batista's daughter, Kate, is going in to get her friend, uh, Gita was it out uh, yes, Vegas yeah. who's gone in on, on like a scavenger run or something like that.
0: Well, she's gone into uh, essentially what we missed out. Oh, did we miss out? I can't remember, but Vegas is going to be nuked. So yeah. the government solution uh, for their sort of like uh, their version of Donald Trump is just to kind of nuke scorched Vegas. Earth. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah scorched exactly.
0: Earth <laughs> and uh, so Gita and a number of other people who lived in Vegas are now living on the outskirts of Vegas in these sort of refugee centers And they are being told that they're going to have to just move on. And Mm -hmm. basically they don't have any money and they need to finance themselves because there's no support packages in place. So Geeta and a number of the other adults go into Vegas to try and steal some money, try and get some possessions or something so they can support themselves and their families. Mm -hmm. However, she doesn't make it back. So
1: see that first bit, that first bit makes sense. And her friend, Kate, David Tisa's daughter, by Ella Purnell, decides to join the heist team with her own ulterior objective. At least she's honest about it, so people didn't look at her dodgily. And she says, yeah, I'm just going in to get my friend out. She finds the friend, towards the end of the film, rescues her from the alpha zombies, only for that friend to die in the helicopter crash at the end of the film. And it's kind of like, you're kind of left wondering, what was the point? Did she die? I can't remember. Yes, yes, she? she dies. Only, um, yeah, it's just Ella Purnell that walks away from that helicopter crash. And it's like, what was the point of that little sub-story?
0: The point is that sometimes there's just no happy ending, Dave. Sometimes, you know, nobody walks away from this unscathed. <laughs> Liberace uh, did.
1: <laughs> Liberace was there in the opening credits playing his piano. Zombie's not interested in Liberace, not at all.
0: Exactly. I mean, like, look, you know, look, we're talking about fun elements to this. How many films yeah. can you say have zombie showgirls, zombie mm. Elvis impersonators, a zombie tiger? This is fun. This is this is good. And, and okay, some of the subplots, you know, could have been fleshed out a little bit better. Some of the characters could have been fleshed out a little bit better. But at the end of the day, the bulk of the film, the action, the story, the set pieces, the CGI, I think it's good. I think it's fun, and I think it's it's just a bit light hearted. A bit of lighthearted relief that we don't have to pay like 15 pounds to go to the cinema to watch.
1: It's true. I think it's I think it's fair. I think the CGI is fair. You know, they clearly put some money into this. It looks good. I don't think the cast are necessarily all te- terrible. You know, they don't have a great deal to work with, but it's only a zombie film. You know, we're not talking about anything too, too dramatically taxing. But one problem I did have with the production value of the film, the cameras, the way it was shot. I have a real problem with that. Did you notice this when you're watching it, that some scenes appear blurry? Yes, some scenes appear blurry, and the filter changes. You get all these different color filter changes that are incredibly jarring throughout the film, and it really takes you out of it for a second. Yeah, like the queen, the queen zombie is like shot in blue or green with like green filters on for some reason, and then it'll cut to someone else, and it'll suddenly it'll be green on them for a bit, and then it'll change to a yellow filter for them, and it's just I know people use different color filters, but it's not that obvious. And the reason for this is because he used a a very old school style of camera. He used um, what was it called a Canon uh, 50 millimeter, um, or the Canon Dream lens it's globally known as. It was something developed in in Japan by Canon uh, in the sixties and seventies. So it's a very old school piece of equipment. And I think in this day and age, when he knew that this that Netflix stumped up the money for this, this was not going to be released cinematically. This was going to be released on home uh, home media, so for streaming on HD TVs. Why are you using? a 50-year-old piece of technology to shoot this film. And it, it shows that there are issues with this. It's, some of it's blurry. Some of it is, the, like I said, the colour filters. I stand by that. That really does take you out of it for a moment. I think he's just he did it to prove that he could. And it was a vanity project. And I think that's really detracted from his film.
0: Well, yeah, I, I agree that um, some of it is a bit jarring. I do think, though, that some of it was to do with replacing Chris De- Delia with mm. Dick Notaro, though. Chris To Elia, to to Delia, I I don't even know who
1: he is. Delia, I think. Uh, Delia.
0: Anyway, he's a disgraced actor um, and he was rightly removed from the project. Mm -hmm. Uh, Quite admirably by Netflix, you know, the film was completely finished. There was nothing else to do and that they funded essentially Yeah, yeah, yeah. They funded reshoots and they gave. Uh, Zack Snyder a lot more time and a lot more money to completely scrub him entirely from the film. However, Mm -hmm. he played a very important character, the helicopter pilot. So um, Zack Snyder replaced him with Tig Notaro, who is brilliant in it. However, whenever she is on screen, it does seem to coincide with those blurry scenes, and I think that, like, I, I don't know, he's tried to cover the fact that he is CGing somebody into that scene by doing something with the um, camera work, by you know, making it look a bit blurry or dreamlike or changing the filter. It does kind of make it stand out a lot more that she is mm. not actually there. I did read somewhere that Dave Bautista said that he's still to meet Tignotaro. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he just hasn't met her. yet. and uh, yeah. I, I think that I think that that's the reason. And if that is the reason, then I'd rather have that than have you know either that character completely removed. with The film just makes no sense, or have that belen still in the film.
1: Yeah, no, I, I don't think that is the reason at all. I completely agree with recasting, uh, getting Chris D'Elia out of that film and bringing in Tignataro. Uh, I completely agree with that decision, but I don't think that's why the uh, the finished product is so is so shoddy. You know, you didn't need to go back to a 1960s, 1970s camera just because you got to do some reshoots. You know, I'm sure he had better equipment available to him, and it doesn't explain the color filter changes. With the one I noticed it with most is the, the zombie queen. Yeah, there's some really jarring color change, and the helicopter pilot is not in it that much. Maybe it was a bigger role uh, back when they originally filmed it with Chris D'Elia, but now it's it's not that big a deal, and the, the, she's not in those scenes. So I don't think that's the reason behind it. I just generally think it was a vanity project to, to pick up an obsolete piece of equipment and prove that he could use it. But unfortunately, in the age of HD, I don't think he's proved that essentially. It, it makes about as much sense as his uh, his subplots and his Easter eggs, as you put them. <laughs> Well, uh, well, talking about the
0: action, because we were talking about the film making styles before. If we move on to talk about the action, Mm -hmm. I think that this is probably more an action film than it is a horror film. And I think the action is filmed very well. I think uh, there's some really interesting scenes here. I think there's some really well filmed scenes as well. I mentioned the star before, which is this sort of crazy montage of all the frenzied action that's happening within Las Vegas but I forgot to mention that actually before that the film starts <laughs> this like it starts I, I'm not gonna lie it's like this sex crazed newlyweds who, who crash their car into an army convoy which brings about a zombie outbreak all because this guy was getting a blowy <laughs> and, like when that has so happens I was like what am I I thought, I thought I was watching something from the sci-fi channel I was like there's no way this is bloody army of the dead here you know there's no way this is like a 200 odd million pound film because uh, this is just bonkers oh, but then but after it was, that Gav, it, it was, was it was but the thing is is that like that set the standard then you knew that this film is just going to be a bit light-hearted it's going to be a bit fun it's not going to take itself too seriously and and then builds on that. So after that, we have that slow motion desolation scene of Vegas, which I thought was really well filmed. It reminded me a lot of um, Zombieland. You know that sort of uh, the intro to Zombieland, where it's going mm. through all the different zombies that are getting killed all over the world. Uh, then we had other. The, Really good set pieces. I think there was, as you mentioned before, the journey through the sleeping zombies, where Martin mm. a- attempts to fuck over Chambers because she's onto him being a scumbag. That is a really interesting concept. Once again, I think you know that's something that Zack Snyder's brought in. I think it's it's something that we've seen in other films. But...
1: Exactly, it's something which is Silent Hill. Yeah, but not necessarily with zombies
0: though. I'm close
1: enough. (laughs) (laughs) Come on now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I said I was thinking Silent Hill when I saw that as well. But I it was I still really liked it. I think it was very well shot and it it helped create that sort of tenseness, that sort of it helped create an atmosphere. You were like so like, oh god, any of these zombies could wake up at any point here. Um the, I mentioned the CGI being really impressive before. The, the scene where Martin gets his comeuppance at the hands of the zombie tiger is mm. brilliant. That's probably the best scene in the entire film for me. You know, we know that Martin is a shitbag. You said about Theo Rossi having this really complex character who, yeah, is, is is a scumbag, but there's also some nuance to him. We don't want that. We want a character who is a shit who does deceitful, horrible things and then gets mauled to death by a zombie tiger. That's what we want. <laughs> and, you know, we get it. And then I think like the, the last scene I want to talk about it is the scene where the gang are fleeing through the casino. Uh, this is brilliant. The stunt work in that scene is amazing. You can tell there's a lot of actors on wires for that. There's a lot mm. of slow motion. There's a lot of great camera work. What I like as well is the scene where they're actually breaking into the safe. That's something that you don't necessarily get in zombie films. Uh, this scene, which in you know the context of a heist film is usually really, like, it's really tense. It's really quiet. And it gets you on edge, you know, it gets your nerves going because mm. they've got to crack this safe. Are they going to do it? They're against the clock. You know, they know that... Vegas is going to be bombed in 30 minutes or whatever. So there's already that tension there, but then adds in zombies to that equation and it, you know, it just ramps it up completely. And I think the tension there and the bits preceding that as well, where they, they know that it's booby trapped and they're trying to figure out where the booby traps are coming from, and they go and get like a succession of zombies to walk through the corridor so they can find out where the traps are. I think that's it was very fun and it was very well filmed probably the
1: second best scene in the film. (laughs) (laughs) Have you got any more best scenes? Have you you ever been dry? (laughs) No comments. (laughs) (laughs) No, I see what you mean. And it is fun. You know, Zack Snyder clearly has amused himself with this one. And, you know, it's entertaining enough if you like zombie films. If you like the zombie genre, this is probably worth a look in. But you're not going to find anything new to this. You know, you're not going to find anything fresh. You're not going to find anything original. This has all been rehashed and recycled, and it's things we've seen before. He may have packaged it differently and placed it in Las Vegas, but ultimately you've got nothing special, nothing to make this film memorable. You know, you said before when we're talking about the Easter eggs or human teeth that he scattered throughout this film. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, you say people will be talking about this for years. I think this will all be forgotten about in a couple of months. I think it's piqued a little bit of interest, but I don't think people are going to care enough about this film in the next few weeks to carry on talking about it. I think it's had its day. Anyone who's interested in zombie films have watched it, come away kind of with a shrug of the shoulders and a are like, meh. And they've gone on with their day. And I think that's the last we'll hear of it. Okay, so
0: one important aspect for you, is cast and characters so how so. do you how do you think <laughs> how, how do you think they do? Oh,
1: oh well, I'll tell you. <laughs> uh, for the most part, I don't I don't have any problems really with the performances. I mean, it's just a zombie film. You've not you've not asked Dave Batista to play Leah, have you? You know he's. he's <laughs> He's he's put he's he's finally cast for this. This is his sort of film, you know, and and I think a lot of the actors here. Some of them are probably have uh, undersold themselves. I think Omari Hardwick is a very good actor. I really like Ella Purnell. I think this is um this should be a very simple film for them to do, and they're very simple characters for them to portray. I have no issue per se with the performances. But I would say that the characters are completely underdeveloped, and it's probably why it's such an easy task for everyone. It's hard to mess up a character when they're so two-dimensional and there's nothing really to them. And I think the time that he could have spent on developing his characters, really doing something different with the zombie film, because this is this is another trope of zombie films that your characters do feel ultimately very underfleshed out. You know, very underused. And, and So many of them are just cannon fodder, which is true of this as well. But even Going back to, like, Dawn of the Dead, you know, the original George A. Romero one, you know, only because you were locked in the mall with those four key characters did you feel any connection to them. Uh, at Night of the Living Dead, same thing, but before Romero and even after Romero, you struggled to get that development of your characters, and I think this has fallen short. So performances, I don't really have an issue with it. Characters, it's pretty woeful, to be honest with you. Completely uh, missed an opportunity here, because he had a decent cast.
0: Yeah, well, I, I think... I will agree that there isn't a lot of character development there, but at the end of the day, it is a sort of zombie film. It is an action film. It's a bit like film's like Predator. It's a group of mercenaries, and you kind of... You, you don't get... A, a, ordinarily, you don't get a lot of character development anyway. But I think one good thing that, uh, that he does in this to kind of set the characters apart... Is that, and this is very surprising for me. Is the, I think Army of the Dead does incredibly well with representation, so gender representation is really, really good. And uh, you know, I, I'm I'm sorry that I'm sounding so surprised with this, but I, I mean, I am surprised. It's Army of the Dead. There were fleshed out female characters who were recruited to the ragtag crew based on merit. And because of their skills, you know, the coyotes tracking and navigation skills, Marianne's piloting abilities, you know, and I know I haven't mentioned this in a while, but it's just because I was so surprised. I had to include it. Army of the Dead passes the Bechdel test as well. I was really surprised by this. It's also really great for racial diversity as well. I think the filmmaker has tried to reflect the racial diversity of America and has added dimension to the group. So this is instead of having sort of lots of character development he's kind of set the characters out by having so much racial diversity it's amazing that i'm still amazed when it happens in big budget films like this but if i compare it to oceans 11 and the oceans 11 series which this film plays a big homage to the comparison is absolutely stark diversity in this both gender and racial is amazing to be honest and it also includes two latino actors who every now and again speak spanish to each other which i also like because once again it shows the diversity and multiculturalism of america so i i I really like that and i do agree that there could have been more done with the characters but i think performance wise great i think really really good you've got You essentially what you want from an action film you want tough guys like Amari Hardwick and Nora and as um, sorry, I can't remember her name now. The the woman who plays the coyote, uh, the French actor. Oh, yeah, yeah, and Uh, then you've also got comic relief, which is what you want as well, with uh, Tignataro and Matthias (laughs) Schweikhofer, and they play the characters really well. Do do you need any more? Really, it's a film about zombies. Uh, Like, what you want to see is like this. Sometimes you just want to see a film that's a bit tropey. You want to see a succession of people getting picked off one by one. You don't need to spend a lot of time developing their characters. You just need them there to be eaten. And that is what happens. You know, there are some good bits of character developments like... um, Batista's character Scott getting back in touch with his daughter you've also got this sort of like little hints about a relationship with him and Maria's character uh so the character of Maria you've also got you know there's that whole backstory with you mentioned before Theo Rossi Bert and Kate you know there's a few different things going on there's a few seeds that are planted maybe we don't see them flourish properly but they are there but at the end Mm -hmm. of the day as I said what you want is just characters to get killed off and that happens in spades
1: Hmm. yeah well that's it i mean if you're looking for an unoriginal zombie film then yeah you've got it if you're looking to see (laughs) the same tropes played out before you as you would see in any you mentioned the sci-fi channel if you want to see basically a rehash of an old sci-fi channel zombie film it's completely unimaginative and just trying desperately to be george a romero then yeah look no further but i think with the budget that this film had and with the talent it had you know i can't dispute the casting the casting was very well done with the the talent it had available with the budget it had available i think this could have striven to be something more striven Mm -hmm. strove strived (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna go with strive. it could have strived to be something better it could have been bigger than that and it wasn't i think it just it fell flat and i think that i think he knows it fell flat and that's why he's he's kind of gone back and tried to add all these little layers Mm -hmm. you know you said you know not everything flourishes he's gone around he's scattered a lot of seed he's got a lot of seed but it's just not bloomed. It's not grown into anything. It's not developed. And I think he's trying to pretend that it has. You yeah. know, he wasn't scattering seeds. he was scattering teeth. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bring him back into it. <laughs> and that's how the zombies started in the first place. <laughs> I actually think that might be Jason and the Argonauts. Isn't that? <laughs> you know, the old Ray Harryhausen yeah, yeah. one with the skeleton soldiers, I'm sure. Some teeth, does. lots
0: of fertilizer. I think he does. <laughs> um That's, how the, you know, and, and we've got the time loop there as well. You know, teeth, yeah, do we, though? I think yeah. the time loop's an afterthought. I <laughs> um, okay, right. Anything else that you want to add about Army of the Dead?
1: No, that pretty much covers it. Yeah, just to surmise, I think, you know, this film had a lot of potential. It's got a good cast had a decent director had a had a big budget but i think the director has gotten carried away in certain elements and not gone far enough in others i think he got carried away with the technical aspects okay. resorting to a camera that has been obsolete for 40 to 50 years now uh it was kind of a bit show off uh, for my liking uh, i think you can see that on the screen when you if you watch it on an hd tv you can see that that was a mistake and i think the characters are just he's just fallen back into the old foibles of a typical zombie film you know it started off so fresh that opening sequence is good and it's like zombie film set in vegas it's actually the outbreak is being contained you know we've we don't often see that you know all these original ideas occur in the opening 10 minutes and then we're back to basics we're back to just a standard zombie film blended a little bit with a heist uh, complete with the open yourself up for a franchise ending or or cliffhanger. (laughs) cliffhanger if you will
0: Well, I I think that at the end of the day, this is a fun ride. Not everything needs to be new, original. I do think there is some originality in there in the fact that it is a heist movie and a zombie movie as well, but I'm not going to deny there are a lot of tropes in there as well but sometimes tropes are good that's why we watch so many of the same type of films because we like them that's why Marvel have been so successful because you know it's very trope ridden and that's what we want sometimes the viewership doesn't lie as well this has been viewed by 72 million households already that is absolutely incredible and that's from start to finish as well that's not just the first opening 10 minutes before the blowy you know this is (laughs) this is from start to finish you know people sometimes they want that, they want big budgets, big stupid stories with lots of explosions and zombies and all sorts. And that is what this film provides. You don't have to take your brain along to this. You watch it, you enjoy it, you go away, you're happy. That's it.
1: Yeah. And and sometimes there's a global pandemic and you're trapped in your house with nothing new to watch. Why would you want to watch a film about zombie, a zombie outbreak? (laughs) Just making it worse. No, no, uh, that's me thinking, Hey, it could have been worse. It could (laughs) have been much worse.
0: (laughs) Oh, Okay, right. Um, so, no quiz. Uh, I said to Dave before we started recording, I was like, oh, should I do a quiz for you? And he said, a quiz for one. It <laughs> sounds pretty yeah, it's sad. a bit, a bit sad, <laughs> isn't it? It's
1: just, unless it's Mastermind. That's yeah. the only time it's acceptable.
0: <laughs> what film did Dave Bautista appear as this character... No, you're wrong, Dave. It was this. Yeah, <laughs> it I, just sounds I, like a berating, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, um, I, will, I will give a little bit tidbit of information though. You mentioned before about Dave Batista saying like it's not like he's playing Lear. Uh, I mm. read an interview like a couple of days ago with Dave Batista, and he, he said his ideal character, so the character that he would love to play. So it's based on a real. Oh, well, based on a real person. It is a. It was a real person. He was a real person. <laughs> Sorry. So who do you reckon Dave Batista's ideal? Character would be to play, it, it, it wants to play him in a biopic,
1: right? And has a biopic been made of this person yet? You know, not that I'm aware movies? of, no, no. Okay, and it's someone you, you said was, so it takes someone who's passed on, yep. Um, a great American writer, Edgar Allan
0: Poe. No, although I'd love to see that one too. <laughs> I would love to see that Mark Twain,
1: <laughs> no Hemingway, yes. Hemingway, really? Yes. Dave Dave Batista wants to be Hemingway. Yes. (laughs) Can you imagine that? My word. I would. I would actually love to see it. I mean, he's got. He's got to wait a bit. Surely, he's not old enough to do like the. The most interesting part of Hemingway's life.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think. Well, I think he And he's said,
1: probably about two foot too tall as well. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, I so I, th- I think he said after this film, he, he went on a bit of a press tour, didn't he? Probably from his own house, Um <laughs> just, just giving insights into this film and also his role as Drax in the MCU. And he said mm-hmm. that maybe gardens of the galaxy three will probably be his last because you know i think he's 52 at the moment and he can't keep up the training and maintain the body that he's got now to keep on playing drax forever and mm-hmm. uh, he would like to take a step down and start doing less physical roles and maybe even move into directing so maybe as you said but, you know when he's older Hemingway.
1: <laughs> <Poor Hemingway, laughs> <Really>? I, <know. laughs> I mean i i really genuinely like dave Batista. i don't think he's a great actor but he's got the something of the schwarzenegger about him you know he's He's a very charming personality on screen. You enjoy watching him. He's got that X factor. He's got that charisma. Mm-hmm. But taking on a serious—I mean, Hemingway had a tortured life. You know, yeah. <laughs> taking on Hemingway, methinks me Peter Rabbit would do well to stay out of Farmer McGregor's garden. <laughs> if, you, if you catch my drift. Oh yeah. Okay. Right. So, um,
0: if you're listening, Dave, steer clear, mate. <laughs> No, you know he did do serious in Blade Runner. I thought he was pretty good in that. Have you ever saw that? Yeah, no, no, he's he's capable, of, but,
1: but Hemingway. <laughs> Yeah, if he's <laughs> ever... playing a serious role in a sci-fi <laughs> epic <laughs> and then there's a biopic about Listen. one of America's most tortured geniuses <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah okay okay maybe not <laughs> right uh, uh, so uh, genuine opinions I think oh no actually no we need to decide what, what list this is going to go on um, yeah. so let, right let's be honest I think we should maybe do genuine <laughs> opinions first and then we decide what list this
1: gets placed on so okay. Dave what, what did you really think? I thought it was a lot of fun I really did. I thought it was entertaining. It was fun. It was, like you said, it, it's one of those films, I say it so many times, it did exactly what it said on the tin. Yeah. But then with a little bit of extra, you know, it. you probably didn't expect it to be this stylish. And like you said, you didn't expect the cast to be so versatile mm-hmm. uh, and, and um, you know, for the casting to be so diverse. I think there's a lot going for it here. I, you know, I was a bit harsh when I said there's no originality to it. There is plenty of originality to it. At, at some point, I'd say maybe a little too, too much originality. I do think that the director got carried away um, on certain aspects. The technical, I stand by the camera. I really do. Uh, And I stand by some of his plot points as well, and especially some of the stuff he said afterwards at Q&As. I do think he's gotten a bit carried away and (laughs) himself in a little bit. But it's a fun film. You will be entertained. If you're happy with zombie films, or even if you're happy with heist films, you will be entertained by this. So in my view... I'm still kind of on the fence. I want to see what you really thought. To be
0: honest, I agree with you. I I don't like it as much as I made out in my arguments. I do think there, there are a lot of flaws. I think that mainly for me, the biggest flaw was the length. Two and a half hours for an action horror is just a bit too long. I think somebody really needs to be standing over Snack Snyder's shoulder while he's in the editing process and just be like, no, no, no cut no, that. Just, just no. <laughs> trim, trim. Right, uh, but I, so I, I do think it's it's very long, and because of its length, these problems like you know the dropped plot points and the lack of character development they become bigger issues the longer the film goes on because you're like you've got more time to play with, so you should have had more developed characters. As you said before, those those little plot points should have been wrapped up in a little little neat bow, and mm-hmm. I just think that it could have been done a bit better, especially with the characters as well. With sort of that relationship between Scott and Kate, it feels very sort of like unfinished, unresolved. It feels like the characters are are a bit weak and there's not much development overall. And I mentioned before about characters being there just to be killed, but... (sighs) It also feels like we've got no connection to them, so we aren't really that bothered when they die. So there's a number Mm. of characters that just die, and you're like, oh, well, you know, I didn't really know much about them, so I'm not really bothered. And then we have this thing where Maria reveals her love to Scott, and she's like, oh, I think we should get together after this. And then she just gets her head, like, snapped off, which was very sort of good uh, surprise, but it just felt a little bit shoehorned in. Mm-hmm. And
1: I felt like that it's, was... It, it's not a satisfying conclusion. Yeah. Just because you can catch someone off guard by doing something unexpected doesn't necessarily mean you should. You know, yeah. I know that this film is mostly very predictable. You know you know how it's going to play out. But people like a degree of predictability with the films. If you do something completely outlandish, kind of scuppered it for yourself. You're kind of yeah. detracting from it.
0: Yeah. And um, yeah, I also think it's very fun, but it also does take itself a little too seriously at some mm-hmm. points. Like, you have this really bonkers over-the-top montage at the beginning of Vegas going to shit and it ends with these giant bright neon pink letters that say Army of the Dead. And then you're like, wow, I'm in for a fun ride here. And then next scene, you just bang. No, serious. (laughs) Put yourself together. This is a serious film. You know, I, I just think there's a little bit of that. So tonally for me, it was a little bit off, but I still really enjoyed it
1: though. Yeah. You know what I think that is? I think I don't think that's the film taking itself too seriously or Zack Snyder taking the film too seriously. It's Zack Snyder taking Zack Snyder too seriously. <laughs> I think that's and I think he he's this film's biggest asset and yet its biggest problem at, all yeah. at the same time. So if you're listening Zack Pull, pull yourself together, mate. God, I've made two enemies tonight. Dave Batista <laughs> and Zack Snyder.
0: Hey, no, I think... Oh, no, yeah, you said you shouldn't play Hemingway. I, yeah, if, if you listen I've, to Dave... I've stomped
1: on his dreams <laughs> is what I've done.
0: If you listen to Dave, reach for the stars, mate. I think, you you know, you can play Hemingway, do it. I would love to see that. I would love to see that big bloody fish getting a good elbow drop. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I've stomped on the dreams of a man that could easily stomp on my head. <laughs> Minimal effort. Okay, so what the
0: list is it going to be placed on? What do you think?
1: I am leaning. Yeah. I've given a, I've, it's, it's an audible podcast. It's not visual. I've given a thumbs up to everyone. <laughs> that, that doesn't help you. I've given a thumbs up. So I'm thinking I'd be. I'd give it the hit list on 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 effort.
0: Yeah, a, a I, for I, effort. <laughs> I think it just about ekes onto the hit list for me because it is yeah. still fun and it is. just looks like he is having a laugh and I think it's going to be well received but mm-hmm. I do think that there are a few lost opportunities there which will mainly or maybe get resolved in future films
1: but- I agree, I think I think. looking at the film, looking at the trailer, if you turn up to watch this I don't think you're going to be disappointed you're going to get what yeah. you expect but you are going to be left with that, that aftertaste of, ah oh, that could have been something more he had something there, he really had an idea but he got Like I say, bogged down in the detail.
0: Yeah. Well, the real question is, is it higher or lower than our previous film (laughs) on trial, which was Mortal Kombat? You're
1: going to have to jog my memory. What did Mortal Kombat get again?
0: It got 55% critical and 86% Mm
1: -hmm. audience score. Okay. I'm going to say this has done probably worse on... Actually, no, I reckon it might have done a little bit better critical, Uh, but I don't think this is going to do as well audience-wise. So I'm going to say higher on critical lower on audience.
0: Well, you're right Dave, you're right. It's probably it's a lot better on critical 69% mm-hmm. but only 75% audience. It's still very high but not as high still as 86. Good. Yeah? Still
1: good. I mean, some critics just love an obsolete camera from 50 years ago, what can I say? <laughs> <laughs> so, to all of those who
0: were listening This episode, hoping to hear uh, our dissection of Four Weddings and a Funeral. Apologies, we did get derailed just because uh, so many of the members had to drop out at the last minute. So Dave and I decided to shoehorn in this episode of Army of the Dead just so we could keep on track with the recording and release schedule. So if you are looking forward to Four Weddings and a Funeral, Don't worry, guys. We're going to come back next week with it. It's the start of our rom-com month. I mean, was there any romance? Oh, yeah, there was. The love of a man killing zombies... (laughs) and you know there was a funeral in four ones in a funeral, and there was several funerals, many thousands mass funerals uh, because of a nuclear blast. Uh, So yeah, that ties us all together very well. Um, All of the
1: mm, mm.
0: (laughs) I I don't know. (laughs) now uh, all of the roles have been picked out of the hat at random so in the role of defense it's going to be me and Ozzy in the role of prosecution is going to be Alex and Joel and in the role of judge it's going to be you Dave so don't yeah. watch it between now and then I, I, I'm I, aware of my role and I'm not going anywhere <laughs> near it okay well uh, lastly just to say thanks to you Dave for being the only person to bother pitching up today to record this episode <laughs> the one who has no life
1: <laughs> outside of the podcast
0: no mate uh, you're in the same boat don't worry and uh, (laughs) and hopefully that hasn't insulted all the listeners who have just sat through this (laughs) thank you very much to our listeners for listening to this episode really do appreciate it if you liked our episodes why not give it a like share and a subscribe leave us a nice positive review on apple podcasts if you want more content go to filmsontrial.co.uk follow us on twitter at film trials or facebook youtube and instagram films on trial so that is it army of the dead is a hit and we're going to be directly in your ears and your hearts next week with love actually not love actually god no please please not love actually you're not getting a retrial (laughs) no with four weddings and a funeral or as i like to call it love actually light (laughs) (laughs) goodbye everyone There's four okay. weddings, but they're interrupted by a brutal murder. Oh, I'm going to have to say your <laughs> word for it, Gavin. <laughs> <laughs> the murder of Simon Callow by cholesterol. <laughs> <laughs>